the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. History has clearly shown that Christ is required to overcome the natural tendency of powerful forces to destroy God-given rights, including the right to hear and speak His truth. Welcome to Biblical Citizen, Let's Roll, with Kathleen and Brian Melanakis. Kathleen is an author and retired registered nurse, and her husband Brian is a former company president. Kathleen and Brian are here to discuss current events from a biblical worldview and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Melanakis on K-Praise. Hello, Biblical Citizens. I'm so excited because we have a special guest today. We're going to be discussing the most important aspect of being a biblical citizen, namely winning souls for Christ. We have an author with us today who's written an amazing book entitled The Shortest Leap, The Rational Underpinnings for Faith in Jesus. Her name is Allison Vanden Herrick, known by her friends as Allie. I'm privileged to say that she's a personal friend of ours. We've known her for about 16 years. So our friend Allie graduated from both Stanford and Berkeley. She has a Phi Beta Kappa degree from Stanford in biological sciences and an MBA from UC Berkeley. She was elected to membership in the Gamma Beta Sigma Honor Society. She's just an amazing scholar. And she's also a wife, a mom. She works in internet internet marketing. She serves in the church and does so many things. I don't know how she does it, but today we're going to explore her her amazing, superb accomplishment in the area of apologetics. Her book, Short Asleep, Rational Underpinnings for Faith in Jesus. Good morning, Allie. Good morning, Kathleen and Brian. It's wonderful (laughs) to be with you today. Oh, it's really exciting for us. And you know, Allie, I just love your book. You and I go back quite a ways with it, don't we? I remember you oh, yes. talking about it, and you'd been working on it for 10 years already when I first started you know, discussing with you a little bit about it at church, and that was in 2008. So how many Yeah, years? I think a lot of people are wondering, are you to finish that book? <laughs> <laughs> so you understood how much time it went into it. Oh, I absolutely did. And, and it's, it stands to reason that it would take a long time because it's a, such a large topic. You could easily spend a lifetime working on it. And I'm sure there's more to do with this topic, but, but your book covers such a large scope. Um, well, Ellie, I have, uh, I don't know if to fold, I have two or three questions here. I'm going to just say them all and then give you a chance to talk a little bit. Uh, I'd like you to give us a brief okay. a brief overall synopsis of the book. That's one thing. I'd like you to tell us what you mean by the title, The Shortest Leap. And this may be related, but I'd also like you to tell us 
how you started writing this in the first place. Because as we said, you're talking about a 20-plus year project here. So touch on those things if you could. I will. Thank you. Well, yes, um, I became a Christian um, at the late age of 30. (laughs) I thought it was late at that time, and my dad, who'd been praying for me for 28 years, thought it was late. But um, at that time, um, previously, I'd pretty much been an atheist. I didn't really, I thought God was just something that people believed in to make their lives easier, and just to give themselves meaning, and I just thought it was a big fairy tale. Um, But over the years, God worked on my heart, and when I became a Christian, it was basically just from reading the New Testament um, while I was on vacation in Rome. It happened to be in the bedside table in my hotel, and so I picked it up and thought, oh, I'll read this in Italian and improve my Italian. Long story short, I ended up reading it all in English, and so it was God's Word that changed my heart. Um, It wasn't apologetics. It wasn't somebody trying to convince me, so I, I always start off with that because I don't I don't believe apologetics is absolutely necessary. It just the Holy Spirit is is what's necessary. But the Holy Spirit can use apologetics. Um, So what happened in my case is when I was 30, I, um, being a a rational scientific person, I was like, well, I really love the Lord. I would love to know what evidence there is that this is consistent with science. Um, Because I had a, a science background at Stanford, I studied biology. So I decided to read some books, um, explain the evidence that the Bible is true in its entirety and that Jesus really was a historical person. Um, and I also read a lot of books that were more philosophical about, like, why do we have more morality? Why do we have this feeling that there's good and bad and, and it's not relative? Some things are just absolutely wrong and some things are absolutely right. So those types of books. Um, and then, of course, the, the books on the fulfillment of prophecy, which I heard a lot from my, you know, from the pulpit in, in my church, just how Jesus um, was foretold so often in the Old Testament. So all of these different topics to me were just fascinating. I'm like, well, why isn't this all written in one place? I've read so many books, but I would love to see this kind of as a one-stop shop. So, so explain about the, the shortest thing about is yeah. that idea. For the one-stop shop, like we have a section on the science, we have a section on the history um, that explains the, um, the truth of the Bible and how these things actually happen, that Jesus really did rise from the dead. And we have a section on um, the biblical prophecy being fulfilled and also the symbolism of the Old Testament and how it points to Jesus um, hundreds to thousands of years before he walked on earth. And then we also have a section on the more that I call it the explanatory evidence. So things mm-hmm. like morality, as you look around the world and you're like, why is the world like this? And the, the Bible explains it very well. So we have, you know, why does love exist? Um, why is there good and bad? Why are people both extremely good but also can be really extremely evil? So a lot of things that you look at in the world that make sense when you look at it through the biblical worldview. And then finally, I look at the beauty of, um, I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but the beauty of the gospel, which is unique among all religions, that you're saved by faith, nothing that you do, it's simply belief that Jesus died for your sins. Um, That is unique among all religions, and I claim, um, and a lot of people claim, that that is a sign that it's um, of divine origin, that God, an all-powerful God, um, who's so much wiser than us, is the one who is the source of the gospel. It's not something humans would come up with on our own. Um, And that it's so beautiful, it transforms us. We're no longer motivated by fear of punishment or 
um, or the you know desire to earn good you know, rewards in heaven, which we are to a certain extent, but we're mainly motivated because we love Jesus and we want to um, to obey out of gratitude and out of love for Him. So that is just extremely powerful, and it causes so many people to just change their lives. Exactly. Um, and it did for me. I I thought I was a good person before, but <laughs> you so realized that you had a long way to go, like the rest of us, right? <laughs> exactly. Just, I realized uh, that my thinking I was a good person was actually uh, a sin in and of itself because I was so self. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> let me so let's talk about the the idea of the shortest leap, though. Explain that to our listeners. Be, and I just yeah, love it that no, you came up with that concept because so many secularists try to try to claim that they have the monopoly on rationality and tr- and science when that is absolutely not true they twist science to to fit their assumptions it, and they sit, they try to claim that so we don't you know that we do that but uh and that right. they don't it take very, anything on faith <laughs> they you know they try to say that they have the monopoly so uh, and they don't take anything on faith but they absolutely do so explain a little bit about that Absolutely. So everybody, um, when it comes to the big questions in life, and I think the biggest question that most people deal with is, what happens when I die? Um, you can just have a friend. I say, what do, what do you think happens to you when you die? I and mean, that's just a conversation starter because everyone's worried about that, of course. Yeah. Um, we might not be care. We might not care about like where do we come from and what is the purpose of life and all that stuff. Those are things that people sometimes just are like, oh, I don't really need to think about that. But where do I go when I die? That's a huge one. So the answer to that question is a mystery. Um, and and. Even if you're an atheist, you still don't know for sure that you're just going to dissolve in, in the ground or whatever. You, there's no absolute proof. So we have faith in what happens to us. Um, we can't prove it, um, but we can use um, the Bible and also the evidence from science that supports the Bible to, to rationally answer that question. So, um, and of course, it's more than that. It's it's basically how can you be saved? Is there a way to live eternally? Um, that's, that's kind of the main the main question the Bible answers. And so, through the scientific evidence, which is basically supporting the, what the Bible is is saying is true, because there's so much science that demonstrates that God, a, a, a being outside of our time and space, which we call God, created the universe. And it is so evident from from the scientific evidence. So knowing that God created the universe and God created us and, and all of the other stories that the Bible says that he wanted to have a special relationship with us, that, he, that we rebel against him, but he sent his son to die for our sins. Those all, the, the Bible story is backed up by science. Yes. So long story short, <laughs> I'm really, I have a hard time um, making things. I tried to get everything down as much as I could in the book, but it's still a lot longer than I wanted. But long story short, we have evidence plentiful evidence from science history, from biblical prophecy, and from this explanatory evidence that the Christian faith is requires the shortest leap of faith. I think we both struggled with this question. How do you reconcile scientific thinking? Because it is very a good method of using the scientific method to think logically, to figure out problems, to uh, have a, like the scripture says, power, love, and a sound mind. And I've struggled with you know, confusion, and you may have too as an atheist, I don't know, but as a, you know, coming out of Mormonism, I confronted with, you know, I was confronted with so many questions and, and how do you reconcile science with that? That's what I wanted to study when I went to college, went to graduate school, 
has science really invalidated Christianity as they claim? And if so, what's the purpose of life? I did struggle with that. I wanted to know what the purpose of life was, you know, the study philosophy. Yeah. So, because uh, if, if there is no God, the purpose of life is nil. There is yeah. no purpose. <laughs> right, you <laughs> make up your own purpose life life when you're on Earth. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I had the same questions because I really didn't want to believe in science and believe in the Bible if they were conflicting with each other. But as you look at it more closely, they don't conflict. They don't. And that's what I found out, too. When you really investigate it, I think. And then you it clears up so many questions. I understand why so many people think they conflict. And what I've what I came up with and what I believe is the case is is as science progressed over the last few hundred years, people were taking um, a spiritual explanation and replacing it with something that they could explain in, with chemistry or physics. And so they assumed that as they're chipping away at the spiritual explanation that God did it, that that meant God wasn't necessary. But really what is important to notice is that God isn't the explanation for how things happen in our world. God is the one who designed the way things happen in our world. So he's the one that came up with the chemistry, with the the laws of physics. He's the one that created the universe from a tiny um, speck, which was extremely dense, and created it in basically a matter of days, which we can talk about. And he's the one that created all of the complexity in the living organisms we see. I love it how you call him the supreme engineer. <laughs> yeah. So I want to start off this. I'm going to start off the second half. Stay tuned, folks, for the second half, because we're going to talk in some detail about how scientific thinking about internal truths is is uh, is reconciled and is the shortest leap how honest science actually supports a creator god so um just stick with us we're with ellie vanden herrick author of the shortest leap rational underpinnings of faith in jesus be right back there is more biblical citizen let's roll still to come on k-praise Welcome back to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Milanakis on K-Praise. We are back with Ellie Vanden our good friend, who's an amazing author, apologist for the Christian faith, and her book, The Shortest Leap, Rational Underpinnings for Faith in Jesus. So, Ellie, you've selected from what we've seen, and we have to admit, we haven't read every word of your book yet. We've tried to glean as much as we could. We keep going back to it, though. It's it's fascinating. But seven main scientific topics in your book. I'm going to list them right now, and then we're going to hone in on a few of them. So, number one, the Big Bang. Number two, the fine-tuning of the universe. Number three, the variable flow of time, which is demonstrated by Einstein's law of relativity. Four, the irreducible complexity of living systems. Five, the specified complexity or coded nature of DNA. Six, the characteristics of stasis and sudden appearance in the fossil record. And finally, the sociocultural Big Bang. So, We've got a we've got a lot. <laughs> other than other than that, I don't know if we have enough to talk about, Ellie. But um, Kathleen, did you want to touch well, on something? Well, I just want to say how much I love that it all goes together, and that you pick the most important questions, these big topics, and you put them in one place, like you say, a one-stop shopping. But let's first of all let's talk about the Big Bang. Why is it so important to believe 
and scientists have now discovered, right, that, it, yes, that the universe proven. had a beginning instead of always existing, like some Exist. people say. Absolutely. It's, it's crucial. I mean, you can't have, um, if something that has a beginning, it has to have a creator. So that's, that's what it boils down to. You can't have something that just comes out of nothing. So um, the Big Bang is crucial to that. And prior to the Big Bang, people had always thought the universe was eternal. And if it was an eternal a universe, it didn't need a creator. But now that we have very, very clear evidence, which is proven, it's no longer a theory, that the universe began at a single point in time from basically nothing. Of course, we know that it was God behind it. He's outside of the universe. Um, that is basically clear smoking gun evidence that there is a creator. So people, of course, who are atheists try to overlook the creator. They come up with other ways to explain it, like we're one universe and an eternal multi-universe or multiverse. Um, but you have to have, I think, more faith to believe in that than, yeah, there's than no to have evidence. one universe. That ex- exactly. Right. So that's that's a huge one. And I, I cringe every time I hear Christians say, oh, I don't believe in the Big Bang. I'm like, no, you got to believe in the Big Bang. <laughs> it's amazing. It's, it's like perfect proof that there's a creator. Yeah. So um, I don't want to spend too much time talking on that. If you wanted to move on to another one, let me. Well, the, I I did want to talk about one that really, um, and that is fine tuning of the universe. And a little background on this: I took some classes a few years ago at UCSD. They're kind of I forget what they called it, but adult classes at UC San Diego. And there was in particular this astrophysicist. I took two classes from him, and most of the people in the class were secularists, as he was. I, I'm sure he was, he was an atheist. But he said openly, he said he was troubled by all the evidence pouring in from science, with meaning that all the parameters that say that life on Earth could not have just happened. He said... It's almost like a miracle. He said, I hate using that word, but it's like a miracle. And I'll just give two examples, but there's so many. The sun has to be just the right distance from the earth to have life on earth. And there has to be exactly the right electromagnetic force for molecules to form. But the thing is, there's dozens or hundreds of these examples, isn't there? And they keep, it seems like they keep exploding. Talk a little bit about this. Yeah, I like to imagine like this huge engineering room with all these little like dials and like hundreds of dials that have to be placed exactly right, you know, with, within like uh, a milli or nanometer from left to the right. And that's exactly what is the case here for having not just um, the universe that we live in that doesn't collapse in on itself, but uh, the, the exact conditions for life, which are so much even larger. I mean, they just have hundreds of these these uh, parameters that have to be balanced on the razor's edge. Hmm. So um, I list a few in the book, but there are definitely more, <laughs> way too many that I couldn't, I couldn't fit them all in. My favorite example is um, the eclipse, the solar eclipse. I mean, you have to have the sun at exact distance from the earth and the moon at the exact distance from the earth so that they overlap perfectly, which they do. And because of solar eclipses where the moon is in front of the sun, we actually have learned so much more about our universe um, than we would have been able to if we didn't have this exact alignment of the sun and the moon at the eclipse. So that's just one, but there's like so many, like you mentioned, Brian, it's just, um, it's so hard to believe that it just happened by chance. 
And the atheists will just say, well, we've had a million attempts to create universes, and this one finally worked, and, or we've had an infinite number of attempts to create a universe that finally was able to sustain life. And I'm like, yeah, that takes way too much faith. I'd rather just believe in a single <laughs> yeah. creator who knew what he was doing. Well, <laughs> and, I don't. And, and, and you, and you prove uh, with mathematics that it's almost completely impossible. I mean, infinitesimal chance that it could have happened by chance. You know, it's so it it's I mean, mathematically it's, it's impossible. So tiny. I remember That's some of the is, things people don't realize. I remember some of the other things that that again that that atheist astrophysicist and by the way had a very similar experience when we were blessed to take some classes at University of Cambridge a few summers ago. Yeah, they're very, troubled by very it. Very similar experience where the Cambridge professor, yeah. again, obviously troubled by the fact, and, and in both cases mentioned some things like Jupiter has to be exactly the right size, and if Jupiter wasn't there, we would be destroyed. We would have been destroyed by yeah. meteors, uh, and the and the <laughs> exactly. moon. Yeah. The moon has to be not only the exact distance it is, okay, but the exact size. So anyway, that, let's that go just on fascinates to the next me. topic. My co-host is telling <laughs> exactly. me it's time to go to the next uh, topic. It's fascinating where you explain <laughs> about the changing flow of time, and I've been challenged by this myself in interviews. Well, how do? What do you do with the fact that? The Earth is millions of billions of years old, and you you believe that it was created in six days. So I didn't really know how to answer that, but you do. You explain it in the scientific way yeah. that so so explain that because that comes I know up a lot. One of my motivations for writing this book was to get that out because I read it in a book by um, a man named Gerald Schroeder, who's a uh, uh, I guess you call him astrophysicist at MIT. Um, he's a Jewish man, and he provided this explanation. And I'm like, why isn't this more widely known? So I really wanted to get it out there. So basically, um, the quick version is, so in 1915, Albert Einstein published a theory of relativity, which is now a law of relativity, so it's proven. Hmm. Um, it Basically, one of the things it proves is that as you go at a speed closer to the, the, the speed of light, your the time at which um, you are kind of operating under goes slower. And eventually, if you travel at the speed of light, which I don't think anyone ever has or ever will, um, the, the, the rate of time stops completely. Yeah, that's and then the other thing is crazy. that gravity also affects time. So if you're on a much, much heavier planet, time will flow more slowly prove this because the sun is much more dense and, and uh, has a much greater mass than the earth. So if you look at the sun um, and as the, the, the rays are coming to us from the sun, you can measure the stretching of the wavelength of light. And that stretching is actually happening because of the different flows of time on the sun and on the earth. So because the sun is so much heavier, it actually has a slower, the time goes slower on the sun. So it's just, it's mind-boggling because it's hard to wrap your, your, your mind around it. But just imagine, like, in the way they've measured this is it's, I think, 2.12 parts per million. So for every year that goes by on Earth, they figured a, a year and 67 seconds goes by on the sun. So there's a, a little bit extra time, 67 seconds is what it takes on the sun. I, I like to imagine it as a, a huge planet. Like if you go to a planet that's like, let's say, 10 times bigger than Earth, Time will flow by a factor of 10. So it depends on what you're saying. Is It depends on where you are in the universe as to what t 
time exactly. is, e- so brief, is equal so to. So briefly summarize, because like, I yeah. read this part, but you can you can summarize about <laughs> briefly summarize quickly. We can look at the, um, the the rate of time at the beginning of the universe by looking at what's called the cosmic background radiation, and it, we can tell that a million million or a trillion a trillion ti- the time went a trillion times slower at oh, the wow. birth of the universe because yeah. it was so dense. And if you divide six days by a trillion and multiply by 365.25 days in a year, you get it's 16 billion years old. So basically, you'd have to read the book or to get a better explanation. I can't do justice to it now. But it's um, the equivalent. Six days at the beginning of the universe is the equivalent to 16 billion years in current Earth days. 16 current Earth years. That is a, that's that's astonishing. Pretty, I've never heard insane. it. That, that pretty much matches up with current scientific theory, doesn't it? That the Earth is that old? It does. It yeah. does. It's it's um, between you know 13.7 billion years is what scientists have narrowed it down. But I think 16 billion years, um, given rounding errors and so forth, is, is extremely close to what scientists have, have said is the, when the Big Bang happened 13.7 billion years ago. So more details in the book if you want to. Well, that is really thought-provoking. It stimulates us, I think, Ellie, to ponder the wonders of our God who made this entire universe. So we're out of time for this week, but I know we haven't begun to, even, even just trying to give people a taste, we haven't even done enough of that. So, folks, if you want to buy the book this week right now, Go to Amazon or go to where else did you say Christian Bookstore, Ellie? Oh, Christian Book. ChristianBook.com. ChristianBook.com. Buy it this week, but we're going to have you on again next week because we want to touch on the scientific and historical evidence that Jesus is God. So thanks so much for being with us today, Ellie. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, Brian and Kathleen. It's been wonderful. To bless your neighbor, to bless your neighbor this week, ponder the wonders of the universe. Read Ellie's book, the shortest leap, the rational underpinnings of faith in Jesus, and come to know God himself better. Become more prepared to give an answer to those secular friends in your community or your workplace. Clarify your own thinking. Realize that there are many rational reasons to believe in Christ, and he gives us a sound mind when we investigate these questions. Till next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Join us next week at this same time as Kathleen Melanakis, author and retired registered nurse, and her husband, Brian Melanakis, former company president, explore the deeper issues and spiritual forces behind the news and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover more major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen. To learn more about the show, how to become a guest or sponsor, send an email to biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. That's biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. This has been Biblical Citizen. Let's roll on K-Praise. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.